You're listening to the Dead Presidents Podcast. And this is the Top 5 Presidential Pets. Five! We're about to take a dive! Four! In the presidential lore! Three! Who will fuck my face? Two! We're about to tell you! One! The show's not begun! Welcome to the Dead Presidents Podcast. I am James J. Hamilton. And I'm Stephen Lincoln Douglas. We've got an exciting top five for you this week, and as you can hear, we've got some friends with us who are equally excited. As you know, Jim, the saying goes, if you want a friend in Washington, buy a dog. Many presidents have had dogs, but some have had some more exotic friends. And that's going to bring us to the top five presidential pets. Number five. Martin Van Buren's Tigers. Yep, Martin Van Buren had some tigers. Early in his presidency, he received two tiger cubs as a gift from the Sultan of Oman. Very, very interesting. What Van a gift. Van Buren, he loved these tigers. He had kept them at the White House. Congress was not too happy about it. They felt that the gift, the cubs were a gift not to the president personally but to the united states and they wanted the tigers in the zoo but van buren didn't want to give them up he claimed that they were a gift to the president and he wanted to keep them yeah which is uh pretty interesting yeah. he was just like yeah i think i'll hold on to these tigers yeah that's the uh classic scenario between kids and parents oh can we keep it yeah <laughs> no no little martin it's unconstitutional this was an epic clash. Ach, nein, but I want to keep the tigers. An epic showdown between two co-equal branches of government, putting separation of powers and checks and balances to the test. Who will win the battle of the tigers? Eventually, Congress won out, and Van Buren had to give the tigers to the zoo. But yeah. he loved them. I'll bet he went and visited them all the time. I tried to look up. I couldn't find their names yeah i didn't see their names either but hey listeners if you find the tiger's names why don't you go ahead and uh hit us up in the comment section and i just opened up a whole avenue for some serious trolling yep cool but that's gonna bring us around to top five presidential pet number four john quincy adams alligator in an 1825 visit to the White House, Revolutionary War hero the Marquis de Lafayette brought a gift for President John Quincy Adams, an alligator. Adams kept the alligator in the bathtub in the East Room of the White House and liked to scare visitors by leading them into the room without telling them about said alligator. Imagine strolling through the White House with President Adams perhaps discussing his plan to charter a national university, when all of a sudden, an alligator darts across the room. You scream in terror and look over, and John Quincy Adams is laughing his tits off. <laughs> Very mature behavior for a president. Yeah. Probably runs and tells the first lady... Boy, did I get him good. Secretary of State almost pooped his pants. Yes. And the Secretary of the Navy did. Yep. Luckily, there was a bathtub nearby. 
for them exactly. to wash Exactly. It was easy to wash the trousers out. Very interesting. Pets thus far. Quite exotic. Yeah. But it's only going to get more crazy. Because we're coming around to top five presidential pet. Number three. Thomas Jefferson's Grizzly Bears. <laughs> was the year 1807. Zebulon Pike led an expedition to explore the western United States. That's where we get Pike's Peak. Exactly. He sent back to President Jefferson a gift of two grizzly bear cubs. So far, these uh, exotic pets, all gifts. All gifts. And, uh, the president's not necessarily sitting around thinking, you know what, I need two you know grizzly what I bears. Want? No, I feel like this is kind of... Uh... A little bit inappropriate on the part of the gifter. This is like, oh, what can I get the president of the United States? Oh, I know. Two tigers. Oh, I know. An alligator. Oh, I know. How about some grizzly bear cubs? Well, they wanted to show off their uh, exotic animals, I guess, in Oman and Zebulon Pike, you know, discovering the territory of the grizzly bears, really, for the United States. Yeah. And, you know, this is a different species of bear that's not known. It just seems like a, what, what uh, would be, to me, in my mind, a knowingly impractical gift. Yeah. Like, you're, you're gifting somebody something that you know is going to inconvenience them. Yeah. Who's going to clean up the tiger poop? You know? Mm-hmm. Not Van Buren, with his bathing every day lifestyle, yeah. what? And then Jefferson gets two grizzly cubs. It's like, how long can he keep these before they become a physical danger to the president? Correct. In the days the before the Secret Service. Yeah. Grizzly bears, known as the most ferocious animals on the continent at the time, they the cubs arrived at the White House, were kept in an enclosure... On the White House lawn, some passers-by like to see the grizzlies. Others made cracks about the White House bear garden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> referencing the old The beer gardens of, of Germany. Of bear baiting. Oh, really? Yeah. I, th I was thinking they were making a joke on beer gardens. No, that's the old bear baiting arena. <laughs> oh. Maybe if Andrew Jackson had some grizzlies, he might engage in some bear baiting gambling that's uh, that's where they would like, just like it was like nobles and shit would just basically yeah they'd have a bear have like, have shit tied no up chance and then dogs would attack it i think yeah wow what a scummy thing mm, that's what jefferson could have been doing but if Thankfully he wanted he wasn't. but he didn't do that he quickly so just for our listeners just to let you know like uh if you didn't know, like I didn't know what bear baiting was, it's a disgusting practice. Yeah, I don't think it was even current at the time anymore. I think I might have been early on the beer gardens thing, too. That might have been a little bit later in Deutschland. Yeah. Well, Jefferson soon found that his bears were too dangerous and troublesome to keep at the White House. He donated them to Charles Wilson Peale's museum in Philadelphia. Peale was happy to have them. He obtained a large cage for them. He wanted to study the species as it grew to full size, hoped they would breed. However, the bear, as the bears grew up, they became more and more aggressive. 
One of them broke out of its cage and rampaged through the museum, threatening Peel's family and had to be shot. Ouch. They decided the other bear had to be put down as well. What? You're too dangerous to keep around. Ugh. That's well, disgusting. It's not like they can just go. release it into the woods of outside Philadelphia. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. They had it shipped in. The bears remained in the museum as mounted taxidermy. Ugh. A grim reminder of humans lust for power. Yep, these bears introduced the eastern United States to the grizzly bear and proved that even if raised in captivity, they cannot be tamed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's best to leave things as they are. Yep. That's going to bring us around to top five presidential pet. Number two. Andrew Jackson's parrot. Andrew Jackson bought a parrot as a gift for his beloved wife, Rachel, and he kept the parrot for himself after her untimely death. It was an African gray parrot named Paul. Parrots are known for their ability to learn and repeat words and phrases. So what kind of words and phrases did Paul learn from President Jackson? Well, we actually know a little bit about that due to an infamous incident at Jackson's funeral in 1845, where Paul the parrot had to be removed from the service because she would not stop swearing. A witness said, Before the sermon and while the crowd was gathering, a wicked parrot that was a household pet got excited and commenced swearing so loud and long as to disturb the people and had to be carried from the house. The parrot was excited by the multitude and let loose perfect gusts of cuss words. People were horrified and awed at the bird's lack of reverence. Jackson probably would have loved that. Yeah. I think he would have got a kick out of that. Yeah, he's probably laughing in the next world. It's probably the funnest presidential funeral to attend. Yeah, I would imagine so. Like, it got so out of control that people were like, all right, yeah. you got to get this thing out of here. <laughs> And, yeah, they, you know, and it had to they, pick that up from somebody. So, yeah. you know, it's just like it shows you what like a foul mouthed person Jackson was. Yeah, or if been. he did that intentionally just to, you know, what if he was the, like that kind of person where it was like, oh, this thing could talk. I'm just going to teach it a bunch of swear words. Yeah. Who knows? Well, he's probably walking around the White House cussing out like John C. Calhoun and Henry Clay and the parrots picking up. On yeah. It. Parrots picking up on it. As they do. That's going to bring us around to our top five presidential pet. Number one. Rebecca the Raccoon. Calvin Coolidge had such a menagerie of pets at the White House that the White House was referred to as the Pennsylvania Avenue Zoo. Coolidge had at least 12 different dogs, two cats, three canaries, a goose, a donkey, and a bobcat. Interesting, a bobcat. But the most celebrated of all the Coolidge pets was Rebecca the raccoon. This raccoon was sent to the White House from Mississippi in 1926 to be cooked for the Coolidge's Thanksgiving dinner. Oof. Guess, you know, it has fallen out of favor in modern times, but apparently baked raccoon was once a favored 
and treasured holiday treat in the South. Yeah, leave it to the South. Lincoln was the first president to pardon the White House turkey, but Coolidge is the only president to pardon the Thanksgiving raccoon. That's right. The Coolidge family found the raccoon to be friendly and docile, and rather than eat her, decided to keep her as a pet. Coolidge said in a press conference that the raccoon is very playful, very interesting, and seems very well-trained and well-behaved. He asked the press to help come up with a name, and on Christmas Eve... 1926, she was christened Rebecca the Raccoon. Rebecca was a favorite of First Lady Grace Coolidge, who wrote, quote, We had a house made for her in one of the large trees with a wire fence built around it for protection. We kept her chained, went out of doors, but in the house she had her liberty. She was a mischievous, inquisitive party, and we had to keep watch of her when she was in the house. She enjoyed nothing better than being placed in a bathtub with a little water in it and given a cake of soap with which to play. In this fashion, she would amuse herself for an hour or more. I wonder if that was the same bathtub that John the, the, Quincy Adams had. The, the gator was, was kept, kept in, in, perhaps. President Coolidge would walk around with Rebecca hanging on his neck. They'd carry her around like a cat. The Coolidge's loved Rebecca, but not everybody was a fan. Some of the White House staff disliked her because she would knock over plants, tear clothing and upholstery, and unscrew light bulbs. <laughs> In 1928, the Coolidge's were given a male raccoon, Reuben, as a companion for Rebecca. So they're trying to set her up with a boyfriend, yeah. perhaps produce a litter of baby raccoons for the White House, but Rebecca was having none of that. The two raccoons did not get along, and Reuben soon escaped the White House grounds and ran away. Rebecca also escaped a few times, and the Coolidge's feared for her safety if she would continue to get out, so they gave her to the local zoo. Yeah, you can't completely take the wild out of... Something like that, but for you know, um, you know, a pretty much undomesticated animal. Yeah, Rebecca was pretty remarkable, and like mm -hmm. there are pictures you could look up of her on Grace Coolidge's neck. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they're holding her like a cat. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty it, funny, Coolidge talking about it. Her in a press conference. Yeah. Like I'm the pr president. It's called a press conference. Yeah, I have. I have a feeling really he's probably annoyed. It was probably a question that came yeah, up, and he was probably asking about it. But. He was probably miffed that they brought that up. But uh, we also got an honorable mention here. We wanna we wanna talk about uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, who had a veritable menagerie of White House pets that far exceeded even Coolidge's Pennsylvania Avenue Zoo. Yeah. As we know, T.R. was a naturalist, and he collected thousands of animal specimens for the Smithsonian. He also had young children during his presidency, and they were fond of pets. Yeah. So the T.R. White House had at least 11 horses, six dogs, two cats, two parrots, two kangaroo rats, numerous snakes, a badger, a flying squirrel, a hyena, a wildcat, a coyote, an owl, some chickens, a pig, a raccoon, five guinea pigs, five bears, a zebra, and a lion. Wow. 
You may be asking, why isn't he number one? Well, I don't know. He just has so many different pets. I don't know if any one of them is famous. Yeah, there's not. Right? That's the thing. He just if it merits. was uh, top five presidential animal enthusiasts. Yeah, he definitely. Then I suppose uh, Tr would take the number one spot, but we have to go with uh, Rebecca the raccoon based on personality. And then a second honorable mention, uh, we might as well bring up Richard Nixon and Checkers. Yeah, we didn't include any dogs in the list. Yeah, we didn't include any dogs in the list, and that was for a reason. But if you're interested in presidential pets, I mean, Checkers may be the most famous presidential dog. Yeah, he has a famous speech. Yeah, famous speech. That uh, Nixon gave. So, that was our top five. Uh, let's give a little shout out to uh, www.presidentialpetmuseum.com. Uh, a nice comprehensive source that you guys can check out to learn all about presidential pets. Yeah, learn about your favorite president's years. favorite pets. And that's going to bring us to the end of our the end of our top five this week. Fortunately, this week's episode was brought to you by one of our favorite sponsors, the South Carolina Jockey Club, where all dogs interfering in the proceedings are immediately. What was that, James? I couldn't hear you over those damn mutts. Well, it's the South Carolina Jockey Club. Oh, where all dogs are immediately killed. That's the South Carolina Jockey Club guarantee. That's right. Until next time, I'm Stephen Lincoln Douglas. And I'm James Shea Hamilton. And I've got some digging to do.